What's going on, everyone? Welcome in. Welcome to episode 46 of WFS, the Will Ford Show. Uh, I, I realized I, I missed out on Tuesday. I told a little bit of a lie. Said we were going to be back on Tuesday. And I just, I, I got, you know, this is the last week of classes before final exams. So I had to get my web portfolio all finished up. Uh, and that is all live. So uh, I will definitely link to my website uh, in the description of this episode. I'll also put it on Twitter. Uh, so you guys can check that out. My podcast page is on there. There's some stories that I've written for my media classes on that website. So I do have an official website now, willford.online. And you go there, you can check it out. And there's some pretty cool stuff on there that I'm pretty proud of. But that's what I was doing uh, f- for most of this week. Had a journalism scholarship meeting today to to go over that. And that went pretty well. And that was really just my focus for this week, was just trying to make sure that web portfolio was uh, as good as it could be and and then, you know, presented at the meeting today. And so that's why uh, Tuesday I was unable to get an episode out just because I wanted to get everything that I could corrected on it and done. Um, but hey, we're back. It's Thursday, December 6th. We're, we're, hey man, we're, we're getting close to, uh, to the playoffs. Uh, you know, I, I say this all the time. It's a great time to be a sports fan. It's always a great time to be a sports fan. Uh, Christmas is, is coming up right around the corner. I mean, things are great. Uh, so let's go ahead and jump in to episode 46. The college football playoff is all set. Um, Oklahoma did end up beating Texas in the uh, rematch of the Red River rivalry. Ohio State beat Northwestern in their conference championship. Clemson steamrolled Pitt. Um, Alabama beat Georgia late after Alabama was down multiple scores. So my predictions didn't quite go to plan. I had Oklahoma losing to Texas. Uh, But the final... Playoff, the final top four, Alabama 1, Clemson 2, Notre Dame 3, and Oklahoma in at 4. So Georgia got bumped out due, the, due to their loss to Alabama. Uh, and that's it right there. That's the top four. And I'm not surprised based on how the games turned out. Um, I still think Ohio State was the better. It was is better than Oklahoma. I think they should be in there, but... Ultimately, with a loss to Purdue by 29 and and Oklahoma lost to Texas by three, that's pretty clear who they're going to put in, but I think Ohio State's the better team. But regardless, that's the top four. The Orange Bowl is going to be number one Alabama versus number four Oklahoma. That's a, that's a game where a lot of people are going to be rooting for Oklahoma. I mean, I'm going to be rooting for Oklahoma. I mean, we're, I'm tired of seeing Alabama win every year. But um, I, I don't think Oklahoma is going to win this game. So, I mean, we're obviously get, we'll get into predictions closer to uh, the games, obviously. But just early, early thoughts, Oklahoma's not beating Alabama, in my opinion. And then the Cotton Bowl, number two Clemson versus number three Notre Dame. 
there's been talks among a lot of um, NFL people in the NFL, um, that front office people in the NFL, and some other people in college football that Notre Dame is by far the worst team in the playoff. Uh, they that they're not that good of a team, and they would get steamrolled by any of these teams. That's yet to be seen. So we'll see how that goes. But that is your top four. Um, some other notable bowls. The Rose Bowl is going to be number six, Ohio State, and number nine, Washington. And it seems like every year Ohio State plays in the Rose Bowl if they don't make it into the playoff. They're going to be playing in the granddaddy of them all. Uh, the Sugar Bowl is number five, Georgia, and number 15, Texas. I, that's going to be a good one. I think that might be the best one out of all of these games I'm going to mention. Georgia and Texas, I think, is going to be a good, good game. Peach Bowl, number seven, Michigan, and number 10, Florida. And then the Fiesta Bowl, number eight, USC, or USC, UCF. Apologies, uh, University of Central Florida. I apologize. Apparently, I don't have any respect for the two straight undefeated seasons. Which, by the way, that's really impressive. I don't care what conference you're in. I don't care what division you are. I don't care if you're in the NFL, the college, high school, peewee football. You have back-to-back undefeated seasons. I mean, that's that's incredible. And that says a lot about the players you have. They had a new head coach this year. It just says a lot about the players and the talent you have. And they're just a really good team. And I think putting them at number eight, I think, is pretty disrespectful. Um, considering Georgia's a two-loss team sitting at five. Um, you know, and some of these other teams only have one loss. Michigan's a two-loss team. And some of these others are two-lossers. Ohio State is a one-loss. I think Ohio State's better than UCF, obviously. But UCF's a really good football team, and there should be a path for them to the college football playoff. And if they ex- if they expand this playoff, which I'm all for because I'm into this to the argument because right now what it is is the top three are pretty much set in everyone's minds. And then that number four spot is the one that gets argued about between about three teams. So really you're arguing about four, five, and six. If you expand it, now if you expand it to eight teams, the first seven are going to be no-brainers. And then number eight is going to be fought for between number eight, nine, and ten. So it's going to create the same amount of argument for the next bunch of teams, but I'm all for that. I mean, I'm in the opinion business. I'm in the argument business. That's good for my show if I get to talk about more football teams getting into the college football playoff. I'm all for it. That way teams like Ohio State, Georgia, uh, and Michigan, and, and UCF would get in. UCF would be in if there was an eight-team playoff. I think you got to give. you have to give UCF a chance. If they make it or if they have another undefeated season next year which i know it's a lot to ask three straight undefeated seasons and you know the odds of that are extremely unlikely and plus we're talking a year away before they lose some of their players and and bring in new recruits so their team could be totally different but if they put up another kind of year like that like the years they've been putting up you have to you have to put them in I don't care if they're a power five conference or not. 
I don't care if they're a Power 5 team or if they're not a Power 5 conference team. you got to put them in. They're... I mean, last year they were the only undefeated team. Alabama wasn't undefeated last year. I think you gotta you got to think about it. you got to at least discuss it. Because right now, I don't think the College Football Playoff Committee takes UCF seriously. All right, so some really big news in college football. Um, after the Rose Bowl between Ohio State and Washington, Urban Meyer is going to retire. Uh, and Ryan Day, the offensive coordinator, is going to take over. So, uh, obviously, Urban Meyer's been dealing with a lot of health issues over the past couple of years. He has a brain cyst. He got it drained a couple of years ago, but it's now re... Uh, I don't know what the word would be, but it's it's come back and it's inoperable. Uh, they can't drain it anymore. And so it's causing intense uh, migraines, headaches, and... You know, with the stress of coaching, that just puts even more stress on on your body, your brain, your your mental state. So, I, I understand why Urban Meyer's retiring. That the health is obviously the main thing. And Ryan Day, I mean, he's a he was good the first couple games when Urban Meyer was suspended. He three and zero. The Buckeyes were they were putting up points in bunches, and the defense was playing well at the time. But that was before they lost Bosa, and. So Ryan, I think the Buckeyes are in good uh, good hands with Ryan Day. Um, but obviously, Urban Meyer, Urban Meyer's the second best, this the second greatest coach in college football history, behind Nick Saban. I mean, if you think about it, he he he's a champion here at Ohio State. He's the he was the first coach to win. He was. Okay, let me formulate my words here because words are so hard to uh, to say. The Ohio State Buckeyes were the first team to win the college football playoff. Urban Meyer is associated with that. That goes on his resume. Uh, he's a national champion at Florida. He turned their program around. He turned Bowling Green and Utah around. He was he went four for four in the teams that he coached, and he's won over ninety percent of his Big Ten games that he's played since he's been at Ohio State. I mean, that's... and Big Ten. The Big Ten is arguably either the SEC or the Big Ten, one of, it, the toughest conference in college football. So for him to do that, it's pretty incredible. And... I mean, Urban Meyer is just one of the best ever. And so the Buckeyes are going to be losing a Hall of Fame legendary coach... But I think with Ryan Day, they'll be fine. Urban Meyer says he wants to stay involved with the program, just not in a coaching capacity. Um, so I think he would be a uh, definitely a recruiter. Definitely be able to recruit some players and, and keep Ohio State's recruiting classes um, as talented as they have been and bring in as much talent as they can, which they always do every year. I think that would be a good role for Urban if he wants to stay involved. Um, but. Something that should be noted, and I was made aware of this the other day, uh, when Urban Meyer was at Florida, obviously there was a whole thing there with, it was very similar to this year with the domestic violence allegations, 
Uh, he's suspended a little bit. The same sort of thing happened at Florida. Urban Meyer retired for three years, and then he took the job at Ohio State. And a lot of people might be thinking, oh, this might be the same thing here with the domestic violence allegations. You kind of retire, say you're retiring because of health issues, which that's why, that's what he said the reason for his retirement was back then with Florida was for health issues. And then he came back three years later. This is kind of the same situation um, when you look at it on the surface. Obviously, Urban's health issues are much worse now. They're He's in a much worse state of health than he was back then, but it's kind of this, it's kind of a similar situation. Domestic violence allegations, you play out the season, you retire because of health issues, and then you come back three years later. And so that could be what Urban's plan is, is just to sit out a little bit. And who knows, maybe he won't come back to Ohio State because Ryan Day just signed a five-year deal with Ohio State. But... You know, another job, a team's going to take Urban Meyer if he wants to come back. So, I mean, yeah, that's just, that's some big news in college football, man. Urban Meyer, one of the greatest coaches in college football history, I would put him in second behind Notre, or behind Nick Saban. I mean, no question about it. Saban and Urban Meyer are the two greatest coaches in the history of college football. All right, so with bowl season around the corner, we all that means we also have the Heisman Trophy coming up as well. We have our three finalists. All three of them are quarterbacks. That's the first time in a number of years since we've had all three quarterbacks as finalists for the Heisman Trophy. We've got Tua Tagovailoa from Alabama, Kyler Murray from Oklahoma, and Dwayne Haskins from Ohio State. Personally, my vote would be for Dwayne Haskins just because of the records he has set um, as a Buckeye this year, his first year as a starter. 47 touchdown passes, I mean, which is like 10 more than the next highest person. Uh, you know, Tua, all three of these guys are great quarterbacks. Tua's had a great year. He's had some injury issues. I would put him third in in the uh, in the race just because he hasn't played as many games due to injury. Uh, plus he, you know, Jalen Hurts kind of outplayed it. Granted, he got hurt against Georgia, but Jalen Hurts came in and he may have just taken the job back. I mean, we don't know. But uh, Tua has had a good year despite injury. Kyler Murray is a stud. I think he's going to win the Heisman, although my vote would be for Dwayne Haskins. But Kyler Murray... It's a shame too because he's got a great shot to win the Heisman, and now he's gonna he's gonna go play baseball for the Oakland Athletics. <laughs> he was drafted in the first round by the Oakland A's, and he's gonna go play baseball, and he's gonna be a Heisman Trophy winner potentially. That's that's pretty funny, and it's sad for the game of football because the NFL is not going to be able to experience how good of an athlete and quarterback Kyler Murray is because I think he's better than Baker Mayfield. And you know he's, I think he's better than Tua. I think he's he's I think he's better than a lot of the quarterbacks in the NFL. So, I mean, when I say a lot, not like, I guess I I shouldn't say a lot. 
I, I think he's better than I think he would be better than some quarterbacks in the NFL. We'll just say that. We'll say that because I ain't trying to start no argument. Like violent argument. Or not violent. I don't know what I'm talking about. Eh. But yeah, but my vote is Dwayne Haskins for uh Heisman. Kyler Murray, I think, is gonna win it, but we'll see how it shakes out. All right. So like I mentioned, usually every week, NBA, you know, it's December. Really, really, the season doesn't start until after Christmas. Uh, that's why whenever you see NBA stories, they're really just NBA stories pre-trade deadline and pretty much pre-Christmas. All the stories that come out are just written just to get something out there. You need to talk about something while the NBA season is going on. Um, but we all know the season doesn't officially start until after Christmas. So, um, but Kevin Durant had some interesting comments about LeBron James the other day, um, and just talking about his basically the attraction of playing with LeBron, the attention LeBron gets, uh, and things like that. Um. So Durant said, basically Durant was discussing discussing the challenges associated with playing LeBron, playing with LeBron, and he said it depends on what kind of player you are. If you're a guy like Kyle Korver, then it makes sense because Kyle Korver, when he played in Atlanta, was the bulk of their offense there, and Durant said he's not a number one option, uh, but his talents his ability to shoot uh, and you know, that really complements LeBron James's ability to pass and, and penetrate and get to the rim and Kyle Korver can move without the ball and get open. So uh, a guy like Kyle Korver can benefit by playing with LeBron because of LeBron's skill set. But when you're talking about a younger player like Kawhi Leonard, this is also what Durant said. When you're talking about a younger player like Kawhi, uh, trying to pair him with LeBron doesn't really make sense. Ka- Kawhi enjoys having the ball in his hands, controlling the offense, uh, and it's how he plays the game. A, a lot of young players are developing that skill uh, in terms of uh, commanding the ball. And they don't need another n- another guy trying to take that from them. And I'm just going to be straight up. I completely agree with Durant. I completely agree with what Kevin Durant is saying here about playing with LeBron because stars don't usually work with LeBron James. They do initially, but then they want out because they want to be by themselves or their skill set significantly deteriorates. If you look at Kevin Love, Kevin Kevin Love is a a shell of himself. He's nowhere near what he used to be in in Minnesota. When he when he was traded from Minnesota to Cleveland, he was good for a while, and then he's just slowly deteriorated into a shell of himself. Kyrie Irving, ball handling stud, didn't want to play with LeBron anymore. Wanted to be the captain of his own team. Went to Boston, and now he's the man there. Uh, Chris Bosh, the last year or so in Miami kind of deteriorated. Dwayne Wade was never the same player after LeBron. 
it's it's difficult for stars because they need the ball in their hands to be efficient. Whereas uh, guys like Kyle Korver, uh, J.R. Smith, Shane Battier, Ray Allen, they do great without the ball in their hands, moving without the ball, setting screens, getting open, hitting three-point shots. Those are the kind of guys that benefit from playing with LeBron James. And if you look at Brandon Ingram this year, a young player, his growth's been stunted. A lot of people thought, including me, that he would be the Lakers' second best player this year and he would really pop and score around 22, 23, 24 points a game. And he just simply hasn't been that guy. He just His growth has been stunted by LeBron James. And that's not LeBron's fault. It's just the way, it's just the dynamics of how they play. Brandon Ingram's a scorer. He needs the ball, He and he can't score without the ball in his hands. He's not a three-point shooter. He's not a catch-and-shoot guy. He's a guy that likes to create his own shot. And so his growth's been stunted, but guys like Kyle Kuzma and Josh Hart, they play well without the ball. They're decent shooters. So young guys like that can benefit, but guys who need the ball, their growth uh, halts or they just their skill set just deteriorates as they get older and at, the longer they play with LeBron. And so it's really interesting, and I completely agree with what Kevin Durant says about playing with LeBron James. And then he also talked about the media attention LeBron gets. Uh, So he said, so much hype comes from being around LeBron from other people. He has so many fanboys in the media, even the beat writers just fawn over him. (laughs) I'm like, we're playing basketball here, and it's not even about basketball at certain points. Uh, So... I get why anyone would want wouldn't want to be in that environment because it's toxic. Uh, it's not LeBron's fault at all. It's just the fact that you have so many groupies in the media that love to hang on every word. Just get out of the way and let us play basketball. Uh, I pretty much agree with everything Durant's saying. I, I, he's not taking a shot at LeBron. He's not, you know, he's not saying LeBron's difficult to play with. He's not saying that. You know, it's LeBron's fault that he gets all this media attention. Uh, It's just, you know, it's just how it works out. It's just the LeBron's skill set kind of diminishes other people's skill sets that don't complement LeBron. Um, And then the media attention, yeah. I mean, especially being in LA, it's definitely a an environment that's not uh, conducive to just basketball because LeBron does so much outside of the game uh, with his political activism, what he's done for Akron, and then obviously his commercials and TV TV shows that he's done in LA. It's I can get where Durant's coming from as far as toxicity, but... Yeah, I mean, I, I I don't have a problem with anything saying. Anyone who thinks that that's a, sh- a shot at LeBron, no, it's not a shot. I think he's just stating the 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 truth. I, I think that's the truth about LeBron. And obviously, you know, a lot of people are speculating where Kevin Durant's going in free agency. 
I think Durant would be a fine fit with uh, with LeBron because Le- because even though Kevin Durant probably plays at his best with the ball, he's also a great shooter as well as far as catch and shoot, moving without the ball because he's playing in Golden State. You have to do that in Golden State. So I think Kevin Durant, his skill set would eventually, obviously you'd have to work it out initially, but I think eventually they would play well together. Um, but a guy like Kawhi Leonard, Kawhi Leonard's not going to go to the Lakers. His skill set just doesn't fit. Obviously, defensively, it would be a great fit, but offensively, it's it, it doesn't work. Jimmy Butler is not going to go to the Lakers next year. Um, Clay Thompson would be a guy that would greatly benefit by uh, benefit from playing with LeBron because of his ability to shoot and seemingly not even have to dribble when he scores sixty points a game. Anytime Clay scores like 60 points, he does it on like eight dribbles. <laughs> Clay's so good without the ball, and that would be a huge compliment to LeBron's skill set. Those are the kind of stars you want when you're playing with LeBron James. You don't want a guy that's extremely ball-centric who needs the ball to be able to to do anything they do. I think those are fair, valid, and correct points by Kevin Durant. All right, so let's shift gears to the NFL. Um, The Packers fired their head coach, Mike McCarthy, uh, this past weekend after they lost to the Arizona Cardinals in Lambeau. First of all, how do you lose to the Arizona Cardinals in Lambeau Field? That's supposed to be one of the toughest places to play in the NFL, especially with the weather. You know, Arizona's coming to town. They're from a, they're a dome team with a, you know, a hot climate or a generally warm one, at least. <laughs> There's no way they should be able to come in to Lambeau Field and win. I mean, so the Packers are clearly out of the playoff race now with eight losses, or maybe it's seven, but with one tie and only four wins, they're not going to make the playoffs, especially with the Vikings ahead. The Bears playing like they are once they, they're going to get Mitch Trubisky back. Uh, Seattle is in the race for the wild card. Philadelphia is still alive. And of course you got the Panthers as well. I mean, it's, it's going to be tough for the Packers to get in. So, I mean, pulling the plug, I think is the right, the right move. Mike McCarthy, and Aaron Rodgers just don't seem to gel. They don't have a good relationship anymore. And I just think it was the right move to make. I do think Aaron Rodgers got McCarthy fired. Obviously, you know, they haven't been playing that well, but it's pretty clear Aaron Rodgers and McCarthy don't have a great relationship. And McCarthy's kind of wasted Aaron Rodgers' prime. Because right now, Aaron Rodgers, I think, is starting to exit his prime. He's had two collarbone surgeries. He's had some other injuries. He's had a calf injury. He's starting to... Obviously, he was more talented than Tony Romo ever was. But like he's very similar to Tony Romo in terms of late in, late in his career. His availability has been in question. Uh, and especially with advanced age. You know, it's... 
there's not there's not going to be much left of prime Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> and so the Packers are going to need a, a new head coach who can maximize Rodgers' abilities, put players around him that make him successful. And we'll see who that who that's going to be by the end of the year or by the beginning of next season. Um, a lot of talk is Josh McDaniels would be the next head coach of the Packers. Um, and this is why I think this is probably the most likely coaching move next year. They already hired it. They, they already, uh, brought in an interim coach for the rest of the season. So they're not going to be looking to hire, uh, this, uh, by the end of this season, but next season, Josh McDaniels, I think is most likely. Um, and that's because they have, the Packers have the quarterback in place. Well, you remember Josh McDaniels last coaching stint in Denver, he didn't have the quarterback right. And they were awful. Now you might be thinking like, Oh, well, he went, he went to Indianapolis and he committed there and then he left. He went back to new England. Here's the thing about that. They didn't have the quarterback in place. Andrew Luck was there, but there was no telling then what Andrew Luck's health was like. I mean, the guy had barely, he he had played in like three games in two seasons. I mean, the guy, I mean, I'm obviously over-exaggerating there, but I mean, he didn't play. He had a very serious injury and didn't start throwing a football until like a year after surgery. I mean, there was no telling what what condition Andrew Luck was in, and I think Josh McDaniels didn't want to risk that. Obviously, now in hindsight, he probably wishes he would have because Andrew Luck is on fire this year, and he seems to be fine as far as his shoulder goes. Frank Reich has done an excellent job with Andrew Luck in that Colts offense, although they they crapped themselves last week against the Jags, but that's a story for later. But with Aaron Rodgers in place in Green Bay, you've got some young talent around you. You've got a young running back in Aaron Jones, young corners on defense, uh, and you've got some receivers, Devontae Adams, Randall Cobb, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Equinemia St. Brown. You've got some young guys in there. I think that's a good fit for Josh McDaniels, and I think that team would be uh, much more successful than they've been in recent years if he would be the head coach. So that's something that I would keep my eye on is Josh McDaniels to the Packers next season. And this, as far as Mike McCarthy goes, Cleveland right now is the talk of the town. I think Cleveland Browns want him. I think he wants to go to Cleveland. Uh, but I wouldn't just go signing or hiring Mike McCarthy right away because there's a guy by the name of Bruce Arians who retired. Uh, he's the they call him the quarterback whisperer. If I were the Browns, I would rather Bruce Arians over Mike McCarthy, just because he's much he's a much more gifted offensive wizard. And and Bruce Arians said he, he the Browns are the only team he would consider uh, if he came back if he came out of retirement, and that's what I think the the Browns should do there. But Mike McCarthy was still a an above average coach. And, you know, he brought Aaron up. He's the one that made Aaron Rodgers what he, what he is now. 
he he developed Aaron Rodgers when when Brett Favre left, and so who's to say he can't do the same with Baker Mayfield? I certainly think he can. So I don't think Mike McCarthy would be the worst pickup in the world for for the Browns, but I think they should definitely look at Bruce Arians in the future. But I mean, we'll see how these coaching situations shake out. But those are two very interesting jobs: the Browns and the Packers. All right. So this past week, Chargers versus Steelers. Uh, I predicted the Steelers at home, prime time. Big Ben's always really good in prime time. They ended up losing this game by three to the Chargers. Phillip Rivers was sensational. Uh, there was a lot of blown refer- uh, calls by referees um, and, and flags that were thrown that shouldn't have been and flags that weren't thrown that should have been. And a lot of controversy with that, but I mean, right now, this offense for the Pittsburgh Steelers, it's kind of sputtering. It's kind of sporadic. Big Ben is extremely inconsistent. They've become a much more pass-reliant offense in recent weeks. James Conner hasn't been as effective, and now he's injured with a high ankle sprain, which could mean he's out until the playoffs or comes back when the playoffs start. And right now it's a critical time as far as, you know, the, the playoff picture goes because the Ravens are right on the Steelers tail in the standings. Uh, But the Steelers, I don't think they're going to be a legitimate contender in the AFC. If they can't get their offense back on track, big Ben is throwing too many interceptions. Obviously, James Conner is injured, so you remove an element from your offense. They've been very pass-reliant in the in recent weeks, and they're going to have to be even more pass-reliant without James Conner in the lineup. It's just not a recipe for success in my mind. And right now, I would put the... Uh, obviously, Edge Ravens, and I think the Chiefs, Patriots, and Texans, and and the Chargers are certainly much better teams than the Pittsburgh Steelers are. Um, so the Washington Redskins are now on their third string quarterback after obviously Alex Smith fractured his fibula and tibia and then Colt McCoy against the Eagles early in the game fractured his right fibula. So he's done for the year and they picked up Mark Sanchez a couple weeks ago to back up McCoy. Mark Sanchez is now the starting quarterback. Yay. It was 2010. Mr. Butt Fumble is in now. So, yeah, that's how it's going for the Redskins right now. Probably the most injury-riddled team in the NFL. Uh, They debated bringing in Colin Kaepernick. Uh, Honestly, I think they should (laughs) have. They should have brought him in immediately after Alex Smith was hurt. And done for the year. Because if you remember, the last time Alex Smith was replaced by Colin Kaepernick, that team went to the Super Bowl, and that was the 49ers against the Ravens, I believe back in 2012. So that would have been very interesting. And I think Colin Kaepernick is a better quarterback than Sanchez and Colt McCoy. Come on. 
Absolutely, yes. Sign me up. I would. Colin Kaepernick deserves to be a not necessarily starting quarterback, but he deserves to be a backup on a team somewhere, or even start for a team that doesn't have a good quarterback like the Jacksonville Jaguars or the Redskins, because they don't have a quarterback right now. And right now, Alex Smith, Alex Smith's future is in serious jeopardy. Um. But I think Colin Kaepernick would have given the Redskins the shot to still make the playoffs. I mean, they're still a game out. They're only at one game back of the Cowboys, and they're half a game behind. Uh, I believe they're half a game behind the Eagles. Or no, they would be. They would be tied with the Eagles right now, and then Eagles obviously hold the edge because they beat them. But I mean, they're only one game behind the Cowboys. And, you know, they're still in, in the hunt for the playoffs as far as wildcard position, uh, positioning goes. And even for the division, they could still even somehow pull out the division, although it's unlikely. With Colin Kaepernick, I think you have a much better shot than you do with McCoy or Mark Sanchez. But um, that really brings up, though, some just some really interesting matchups for for this weekend. So we're gonna do primetime predictions for this week. We're gonna jump into those. Uh, we'll we'll start with the Eagles and Cowboys since I since we were just talking about the Eagles and really the NFC East. Eagles are gonna be at the Cowboys. The Cowboys beat the Eagles in Philadelphia a couple weeks ago. Uh, the, the Eagles receivers, they look good on paper with Aguilar and Jeffrey and, and Golden Tate and Zach Ertz, but really they're not as they're they're not being that effective. The defense is totally and completely just shredded uh as far as injuries goes in the secondary. I wanna say the Cowboys are gonna win. I wanna say they're gonna beat the Eagles. And I want to say the Cowboys are going to remain firm and hold strong in the NFC East. But as Stephen A. Smith says every year, as far as the Dallas Cowboys go, what can go wrong will go wrong. And the Cowboys usually find a way to choke in some capacity every season uh, where they have a chance to make the playoffs or they do make the playoffs and they find a way to they find a way to blow it. So, obviously this this scares me because I'm a Cowboy fan and I'm trying to be as unbiased as possible because that's my job. I'm going to pick the Eagles because this is a huge game. Eagles win. They take first place in the NFC East because they would have a better division record. And that's really, really scary. I'm going to be really nervous watching that game on Sunday. I'm going to pick the Eagles just because I think it's such a pivotal game. And Carson Wentz has been playing really well this year. And the Cowboys offense has struggled a little bit, although their defense has played phenomenal. If the Cowboys can beat the New Orleans Saints, I think they can beat the Philadelphia Eagles. I'm just division game rivalry. Uh, it's it's a whole thing. 
I'm going to pick the Eagles, but I sure hope I'm wrong. <laughs> um, the Jaguars at the Titans on Thursday night football. That's a real snooze. That's a real, real snooze. That's tonight. I'll pick the Titans, but I mean, that's a snoozer of a game. Ravens at Chiefs. I'll take the Chiefs. Although Lamar Jackson is 3-0 and in his starts. Chiefs are just far more talented on offense. I'll take the Chiefs in that one. Rams at Bears. This one is probably my favorite game of this week. Uh, the Bears got the best defense in the league. The Rams, their offense has kind of been a little inconsistent over the past couple weeks. Goff hasn't been as sharp. McVay hasn't been as sharp with the play calling. Just really the entire offense hasn't been as good as it was so early in the year. Mitch Trubisky comes back this week for the Bears, so their offense is going to play much better. I really like the Bears a lot this year. I'm going to roll with the Bears in this game and an upset over the Rams. And this would be huge because that would mean the Saints would regain first seed, home field advantage, first round bye in the NFC. Well, both teams would have a bye, but first seed. And then Sunday night football, actually Monday night football, Vikings at Seahawks. This one's going to be in Seattle. And Russell Wilson and those Seahawks that that, that defense, 12th man. Kirk Cousins is not really that good on the road. I'm going to take the Seahawks in this one. So we're going Titans over the Jags, Chiefs over the Ravens. I hate to say it, but Eagles over the Cowboys. I'm trying to be unbiased. (laughs) I'm trying. Uh, It's just... Oh, man. Rams going to lose to the Bears. I'll take the Bears and Seahawks over the Vikings. Okay, so that takes me into the NFL playoff picture. So going into this week, week 14... Yeah, week 14, I'm going to just take you through the the NFL playoff picture for the NFC and the AFC, the top four seeds of the division leaders, and then the two teams with the ne- next best record at five and six for both conferences. So we'll start with the AFC. AFC West leader right now, the Kansas City Chiefs, they would have the first seed if the season ended today. New England Patriots second seed. The Houston Texans with the third seed, and then the Pittsburgh Steelers with the fourth seed. And right now, this is almost all correct from what I predicted early, uh, before the season started. I had the Chargers over the Chiefs, but I had three or four for the division leaders to this point. And then the wild card, the Los Angeles Chargers, uh, which might be the best wild card team in like ever as far as record goes and overall talent on on the roster and then the Baltimore Ravens could sneak in at number four and then the Steelers would fall to six they could sneak in but they're at six right now that's going to be a really tough road to the Super Bowl that there's just so many good teams there and then the NFC LA Rams the NFC West 
uh, champions, actually. They clinched their division not too long ago. They're the first seed right now. New Orleans Saints uh, of the NFC South, second seed, Chicago Bears, third seed, and the Dallas Cowboys, the fourth seed. But if they lose to Philadelphia this weekend, the Philadelphia Eagles will take that fourth spot, and then the Cowboys would fall potentially to a wild card spot, just depending on how the Vikings do, how the Seahawks do, and it just it's all dependent on dependent on that. And then your two teams with the next best records are the Seattle Seahawks at number five, and then the Minnesota Vikings at number six. Um, so I was I'm three of four in the NFC as well. I had the Vikings over the Bears in the uh, as far as division leaders go, and then the wild card I believe I took both the Panthers and the Falcons or it might have been it was either the Panthers and the Falcons or the Packers might have been in my wild card slot don't quite remember off the top of my head but I mean pretty solid as far as predicting these these playoff pictures and right now my prediction of of uh of Chargers Saints and the Super Bowl, that's still holding strong, and I think that's very, very probable. All right, so we're going to move into the final segment of this episode, the Ford Food Chain. Should have done it on Tuesday. It's Thursday. No big deal. So what? Let's do it. Top 10 teams in the NFL, according to me, after week 13 of the season. Number 10, the Pittsburgh Steelers. As I mentioned earlier, uh, the offense is just way too inconsistent. They've become too pass-reliant. James Conner is injured, who's been a stud this year. Obviously, nowhere near the talent level, level of Le'Veon Bell, but still a really good back. They're going to miss him, and right now, their playoff, their, their playoff expectations are hanging in the balance. Number nine, the Seattle Seahawks. I mean... This team has really turned it around. I thought they were not going to be as good this year, but Pete Carroll has really turned this team around. They don't talk anymore. They're not political. The defense has played much better. They've become a running team first, running team into the play action. Russell Wilson has attempted the fewest passes by any starting quarterback uh, this year and has thrown for 29 touchdown passes. The guy's just been lighting it up, having one of his best seasons. At the offensive line, is starting to become healthy. It's it's decent. They're they're a good running football team. This is a team to watch out for in the NFC. Number eight, the Dallas Cowboys. Knocking off the New Orleans Saints is going to bump you up in the in the power rankings a little bit. Their defense is absolutely incredible. Jalen Smith and Leighton Vanderesh are elite linebackers. They're about to get Sean Lee back. That's a three-headed monster at linebacker, and that's the best linebacking core in the NFL, hands down. No doubt about it. Offensively, they've struggled a little bit, but the addition of Amari Cooper has really opened things up. And, I mean, they're in control of the NFC East right now. They just cannot choke. They cannot fall into that. Uh, they can't They can't fall into that mentality of what can go wrong, will go wrong. They can't think about any of that. They've just got to take care of business week by week, play by play, and get it done. And with that defense... 
beating the New Orleans Saints, I think they can beat anybody. Number seven, the Chicago Bears. They did lose to the New York Giants last week, but they had Chase Daniel starting at quarterback. They didn't have Mitch Trubisky. With Mitch Trubisky, they're far better. Defense is the best in the league. Great offensive line. This is a really dangerous team in the NFC. Number five, and usually the top four are my Super Bowl favorites, but the top it's really five because we just got, oh, sorry, I skipped six. My bad. Number six, the Houston Texans. Nine wins in a row. J.J. Watt has reemerged. He's not washed anymore. He's really, really, really good. Deshaun Watson, they're not asking him to do too much. He's been really efficient. Lamar Miller has found himself again. The offensive line is playing a lot better. This team is really, really hot right now. Now the top five. Usually the top four are my Super Bowl favorites. But with so many good teams near the top, I'm going to put the Los Angeles Rams at number five. They've been kind of inconsistent offensively in recent weeks. Yes, they're the first seed in the, in the NFC right now. They're division, they're division champs, the first division champs. But, you know, their, their inconsistencies worry me. Defensively, they've got some guys that tend to play me ball instead of we ball. Still a really good team, really talented, but right now they're number five. Number four, the Kansas City Chiefs. Offensively, you know, we, we know we talked about it last week. They've lost they lost Kareem Hunt, and that's gonna that's gonna hurt them because he's a really, really good back, top ten back in the league. But their offense is still gonna be explosive. They still have guys like Spencer Ware and Charkandrick West who are who are viable options. They're not scrubs by any means. And you know, with those weapons, Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey, Sammy Watkins, I mean, they're gonna be fine. Defensively, they just got th- They've just got to survive defensively. They're going to get Eric Eric Berry back soon, which is going to really help out their secondary. I still think this is a really, really, really good team that's going to cause a lot of problems in the playoffs for anyone who crosses paths with them. Chiefs at four. The Los Angeles Chargers, I've got a number three. My AFC Super Bowl pick played extremely well against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Came back from 16 points. I mean, what can you say? Phillip Rivers is just absolutely insane. Really, really good season so far to this point. He should definitely be in the MVP conversation behind Drew Brees and, and Patrick Mahomes. And defensively, with getting getting Bosa back, their defense is just so much better. Uh, and they have a, a elite pass rusher on both sides of the formation. Chargers at three. New England Patriots at number two. This team is the same team it is every year. Players interchange. They've got some players that it's like a revolving door of players sometimes, but they're the same team every year. They start off slow in September and October, November and December. They're the hottest team in the league, most consistent. Now they struggle with with pass rush. They don't have a great pass rush, but I mean that's not the worst thing for them because their offense it's just so good. Tom Brady at 41 years of age. His level of play is incredible. Gronk is healthy. The running game. Their, their running back trio of Rex Burkhead, Sonny Michelle, and James White might be the deepest it's ever been in New England. 
This team is really good, and they're primed for another AFC run to the Super Bowl, although I still like the Chargers. And then number one, I still got the New Orleans Saints, man. I know they lost to the Dallas Cowboys. They took it to them. But, I mean, this team is still the best team in the league. Defensively, best rush defense. Secondary is a little bit weak. Eli Apple has struggled, but it's still solid. Drew Brees is not going to have many games like that in his career, throwing for barely over 100 yards and an interception. He's just not going to do that very often. And I fully trust this team to, to make a deep run into the playoffs and make it to the Super Bowl. So the Saints, still the number one team in the NFL in this week's Ford Food Chain. All right, guys, that's it for me for this Thursday. Apologies for not getting it out on Tuesday, but it is what it is. I, I had some assignments that I needed to do. Um, but yeah, that's it for me. Make sure you follow the show on Twitter at the Will Ford Show. Rate and review the show on iTunes. Like and follow, or uh, like and comment on SoundCloud. Follow me on SoundCloud as well. Message me. Uh, let me know what you guys want me to talk about. Talk to me about anything. Um, Make sure you check out my website, willford.online, to check out some of my stories that I've done in my media class. Uh, I've got a podcast page on there as well, so you can see some of my most recent episodes. If you're not, you know, if if you're not on Sound, SoundCloud or on iTunes, you want to, you know, check out my site. There'll be links to to some episodes in there, and link and a link to my SoundCloud page that'll take you there. So that's willford.online. Make sure you check that out. That's it for me for this for this Thursday, this episode. We'll see you for episode 47. It's WFS. 